I want to talk to you about dreams. Dreams? What? This wasn't yeah. on the list. Well, I just had something come to mind. Have you ever had recurring dreams in all your years? I don't think so. Do you? Yeah, but mine aren't interesting or important. Fine. Wait, 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 wait. You can't start like that and not go into it. What recurring dreams? Are they boring dreams? It's the typical ones like falling, missing exams, teeth falling out. I don't think I've had any particular recurring dreams. I mean, when I was younger and I was going to school, I had many dreams that were around and about school. What aspect of school? I think just the setting was in the school, but they made no particular sense. You enjoy school so much. You dreamt about it. No, it was just like the backdrop for the dream. It was like, you're in school and there's an alien invasion. Or, you're in school and the dead are rising. But the school was just, you know, the setting. Now it would probably be, you're in the office and, I don't know, everyone's secretly a Brussels sprout pod people, something, I don't know. This is fun. I don't know why you don't share this with the world. What? These aren't recurring dreams. I have, To be clear, I have not actually had these dreams. These are just like hypothetical dreams. I'm trying to think what dreams I've actually had, but you don't really... It's very hard to really remember your dreams. Did I tell you I had a dream that I was just blackout drunk? Are you sure that was a dream? Hmm. I have had, it seems, some difficulty distinguishing dreams and reality the last week or so. I, my sleep pattern has been even more disturbed than usual. Like, I've had a few days of practically no sleep, and then a few days of loads of sleep, and I think it has actually caused enormous confusion. But you've not done anything really dumb. Like what? Accused you of cheating at chess or something? Wasn't there a Friends episode about this? I don't know. There probably was. I mean, it went on for like 10 years. You've not walked into a glass door or turned up to the wrong office, got on the wrong tube. Oh, you're talking about general sleep deprivation stupidity? Yes. yes. Uh, today, I took the MTR to go to the computer centre. So I went from the office to the computer centre, bought a webcam, which I gave to you. Thank you. And then went back to the MTR to go back to the office, but was just on autopilot and got on the MTR to go home, <laughs> which is in the opposite direction. And only realised this when the MTR pulled into the station, which is where my flat is. And then I was like, oh, whoops. And then I had to get off the train walk all the way around the station to get back onto the platform that goes the other way and then ride all the way back to the office does that count oh you always you, you that's very impressive i think you don't realize how bad your memory is this is really disturbing isn't it i think i think it's really funny it is funny like you don't realize how much you're forgetting until you write it down or indeed record a podcast about it and then go back through it and realise, I have no recollection of this. It's just the fact you got to your home station rather than, oh, when the door shuts, you've realised, shit, I've, I'm on the wrong train. You've had like 20 minutes there. It's just literally a matter of being on autopilot. You know, I think this is something that happens as you get older. There are more and more things where your brain just is like, this isn't novel stimulus, just switch off. And... My brain literally just took me on autopilot in the direction of home. Because normally when I'm travelling from that station, 
I'm traveling in the direction of home, not to the office. It's unusual to go in the direction of the office from that station. I think this is like when you're completely, again, they say this is a thing where you're completely blackout drunk and you somehow wake up at home and you're like, how did I get here? I was so drunk. How did I know how to get home? I was going to say, but I've never been blackout drunk, but it turns out I have and just have no recollection of it. That was the time in the wardrobe. That was the time in the wardrobe. The time in the wardrobe is covered in which app? It's the one that I was going to call locoing back on 2017 or something. It's one of the end of year wrap ups. It's the one where we drink a can of four loco. And you have studiously refused to do any more episodes that start with drinking. No, why? It makes no sense. It's not, I don't think that the recording is any better for it. <laughs> I think you'd be foolish to think otherwise. I don't know. We should listen to it again. You might remember. <laughs> anyway, we have more serious matters to entertain. I want to get your views on a few things. So, cars these days are having large, like, it started with Tesla. So have you seen, have you been, have you sat in a Tesla? Have you yeah, I've sat in a Tesla. It has a big ass screen in the middle. More and more cars are going to have big ass screens in the middle, I think. I think it's, it's going to be a way to serve more ads to you. But your response wasn't very helpful, if I'm honest. I was like, no, it won't. It'll be distracting. No, 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 no. You were saying, I'm not, I don't drive cars. I get chauffeured around. <laughs> not my problem <laughs> wait 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 wait. that makes it sound much worse than what i actually said obviously that's not what you said <laughs> i said i don't have a car i'm just catching taxis here will i ever have a car again if i'm just living in cities do you really need a car no not if you're in the city but surely one day you'll want to live in the suburbs vineyard is you right <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> I was going to say, this is coming from the guy who doesn't drink, but then we just had a conversation about being blackout drunk. That's what you're going to be when you get old. I'm going to have a bit... I don't think so. I very much doubt it. You probably won't need a car in that case anyway. I don't know. Well, I need a car. Anyway, it will be driverless cars by then anyway. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Oh no, but then it doesn't matter if it's distracting. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, my argument was this isn't going to happen because it would be a distraction. But your argument is, it doesn't matter, because they'll know when it doesn't matter if you're distracted. Yes. And I suppose if it's a driverless car, i.e. you're just a passenger and the car drives you there, they can literally just advertise in your face and it doesn't matter. There'll be those who can drive cars which are subsidised by adverts, and those who don't. Isn't there a Kindle which is subsidised by ads? Yeah, there is. Did that work out? Yeah, people buy it. Because the thing is, it only shows you the adverts when it's turned off. Like, when you're not reading a book, its default screen is an advert. So, when you're not reading the book, it goes to, like, a screensaver type. I mean, it's not really saving the screen, but, like, a default image. And so, if you have the premium Kindle, it just shows, like, a nice picture. But if you have the ad-supported one, it shows an advert instead. That's quite subtle. I'm not offended. (laughs) Well, did you think it was showing, like, pop-up ads while you're reading? I thought it would do it every time I turned the thing on. Or tried to, yeah, every time I tried to use it, it would just pop me an ad first. It will pop up a 30 second unskippable ad. Yeah. Toothpaste. It knows it has my attention. I'm waiting for it. So that's when it's going to serve it to me. I mean, I don't have one of these Kindles. So that's just my understanding of what it does. Maybe it is really offensive. 
But I don't think so. You know, when you're waiting for you and your attention's at its peak, it's going to serve you an ad. Have a couple more items for you. You've heard about this 996 system. Yeah, it's been in the news loads just the last few days. As of the time we're recording this podcast. To Alibaba? Alibaba? How do you say it? Alibaba. That's how we say it in China. That's right. <laughs> it's obviously not. So how do you feel about working nine to nine, six days a week? That would suck. That would suck. I'm sure, was there a time ever that where you thought, no, I should be working hard. I need to work hard. I'm Asian. <laughs> I'm, a- what? I'm Asian. You, you have some issues, Ting. <laughs> you have some identity issues, clearly. <laughs> I'm not even sure how to respond to that last statement, but I mean, I have had jobs where I have regularly been working till 9 p.m. or later. So I have been doing nine to nine. I've been doing like nine to midnight regularly. So some part of you, your subconscious allows for it. You like you, you let it happen. You, you don't resist it. That's what I'm saying. Well, you know, I'm Asian, so I have a really good work ethic. No, I, I don't know. I just want to get stuff done. You're right. It's a weird thing. It's when you have something to prove, right? So I guess towards the start of my career, maybe. Yeah, I had something to prove. And so I was staying late to get stuff done. Or when I felt I had to justify my position slash pay. But it's not really a healthy position to be in. No, it's not. But I don't even think this 996 system is about that. This 996 system is is purely about... In mainland China, these companies are basically saying, you need to work hard and you're disposable. If you won't work nine to nine, six days a week, there's an army of people who will. So tough luck, do it. And then you have all these billionaire founders of these companies going, look, I work really hard. It's like, that's because you're the billionaire founder of this company. Like you working hard makes you another billion dollars. Like me working hard makes me minimum wage. Maybe not minimum wage, but die a bit sooner. Yeah, so it's bad. There's the alternative, which is 955, right? There's a, cause there's actually a GitHub project called like 996 and it lists all the companies that enforce a 996 working week. And there's another project called 955, which is all about companies that have, you know, work life balance and they're all Western companies. It's all like Western banks, Western internet companies. All the Chinese companies are 996. I've heard a whole bunch of horror stories actually from colleagues in mainland China. You know, they're telling me, oh, you know, I thought about working for this other company, you know, like Alibaba or Tencent or whatever. And then they're saying, but they didn't want to hire me because I was already over 30 and they think over 30s can't work hard enough. They want someone who will literally like work all the time. And like once you're over 30, you're past it. They can throw you away and get someone else who will work for less money, longer hours. It's terrible. That is terrible, but there are other people who employ us. Well, luckily, we're living in an entitled Western-style democracy. Actually, is it a democracy? (laughs) A Western-style capitalist? I don't know. Goodness knows what it is. It's Hong Kong. I find it really funny that the most senior political position in Hong Kong is called the chief executive. It actually is like a business. And individual people don't get to vote, but corporations get to vote. So, arguably, Hong Kong is a proper futuristic corporate dystopia. I mean, it's like Blade Runner, for real. 
minus the androids. I've not watched Blade Runner. Oh. Well then, we can't have this conversation. Good. I don't... <laughs> One last thing. This is a relatively old topic, but it came up in my feed this week. Standing on an escalator is faster in some cases. Define faster. It'll push more people up the stairs, up the escalator. So what you're really talking about is throughput. <laughs> I thought you were good at talking to norm, like non-technical people. <laughs> is this not good? Is, is offensively talking down to people not good? <laughs> yeah, okay, being serious. Standing on one side and walking on the other of the escalator moves fewer people through the escalator in a set period of time, assuming that the walking side of the escalator doesn't have full occupancy. Because a lot of the time, people are lazy and don't want to walk. And as a result, one side of the escalator is just empty. So you're only utilising half of the escalator's capacity. And in that case, having everyone stand on the escalator is going to be faster in terms of the number of people you can move through it in a set period of time, which is the throughput. Whereas if you as an individual want to get from one side of the escalator to the other, you can reduce your latency by walking on the escalator rather than standing on it. You know, to use an internet analogy, your pipes are... No. (laughs) But it's like satellite internet, which can have really good bandwidth, but really poor latency. Is this really stretching this analogy? Probably. Don't use satellite internet. Of all the things you could use. (laughs) Who's got satellite internet? Nobody's got satellite internet. Okay, what's important? Are you a walk or a stander? I walk. What do you think of people who stand? The funny thing is, in Hong Kong, you're not meant to walk. In Hong Kong, it actually says, stand on both sides. And it actually plays an announcement at the start of each escalator that says stand and don't walk like hold the handrail stand and don't walk so in hong kong they really want you to stand on both sides but people don't people stand on one side and people walk on the other and i walk the annoying thing is when someone just decides to stand on the walking side of the escalator you can't even like do anything about it because you know you're not meant to walk so you just have to deal with it you just have to stand there you'll be like okay i guess we're all going to be cattle today thank you Why do they want you to stand? I don't know. Probably because it has higher throughput. (laughs) Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have with me tonight, Sir Michael. Hello. And myself, Tingathy. Hi. Hello. I I, I can't. You can't can't say hello? I'm not used to it. Hi. What's funny is that Tingathy is not your real name. Tingathy is your name grossly extended to three syllables. You have a thing of three syllable names. Because I have such a short surname. Which will remain a secret. It's not a very well kept secret. Would you prefer, do you prefer people calling you Michael or Mike? I don't really care. Sir Michael. <laughs> Sir Michael. Not Carmichael. That's, that's a surname thing. That's a surname. There are no restrictions, okay? Redemption. We're a book club for games. But not today. Today, we're going to talk about Star Wars. Borderlands. And the 
Epic Game Store. Wasn't always like this. But now, there are three rules to survive. Don't stand out. Star Wars. Is this a game? It should be. Well, it's about to be again. Go on. A new single-player Star Wars game has been announced. Star Wars A Fallen Order? Jedi Fallen Order. Jedi Fallen Order. There's actually very little information about this game at the moment. It's just had a cinematic teaser trailer. It's been developed by Respawn Entertainment. And Chris Avalone was involved in writing the narrative. He's been, like, on everything. Like, the main thing I think of when I hear that name is Torment Tides of Numenera, which we played recently. But I think he also wrote the original Planescape Torment, and it turns out Prey and loads of other stuff too. Like, basically, like, every game that's had a good story and lots of games that have had mediocre stories. I'm quite excited, actually. I don't know why I just said that. Am I excited? Because my... of because of who's writing, who's been involved in the writing. Well, I'm just thinking my only my only real exposure to Respawn Entertainment is Apex Legends. But I actually really like Apex Legends, and so I'm now thinking, oh, these guys know what they're doing. This is going to be good. But then taking a more cynical view of it, is this going to be good? Okay. Let's go back a step. There's let's, a lot more to Let's, let's, let's unpack this a bit more, yeah. So, Stig Asmussen is the game director on this, and he was at Sony Santa Monica working on the God of War series. So there's pedigree there as well. One detail which you thought was quite important was, when is this set? So it is set between the Star Wars prequel films and the original Star Wars films. Does that make any difference whatsoever I'm like (laughs) I don't know there's a lot is Star Wars actually any good is Star Wars entirely riding off nostalgia is Star Wars like a mental virus that works its way into your brain when you're young and then you're just a carrier for the rest of your life because like people who weren't infected by Star Wars at a young age are just totally not interested in Star Wars And if you show them Star Wars, they're just like, that was crap. What Star Wars, though? Any Star Wars. But the recent Star Wars films have been good, regardless. Have they been good? I'm sure if you're new to Star Wars, Episode 7 was good. It was not terrible. 8 was good as well. I think 8 was worse than 7. But not as bad as 1, 2 and 3. Yeah, one, two, and three are pretty terrible. But again, I think this is a matter of when you were exposed to it, because I think people who were like 10 years old when they saw episodes one, two, and three think that they're great. Is that what happened to you? No, I'm old. I'm old as. But were you 
I was like 10 when I saw the original trilogy and not because it not because I was 10 when they came out but because that's when I happened to see them but were you then in and then that, that's it you're done for life you're set for life yeah I'm like Jedi's are cool I want a lightsaber because I only watched Star Wars late teens so I didn't get the fast I'm yeah you see you're proving my point you're proving my point you're just like this is crap no I never said that that's not fair I see the point of Star Wars now to sell merchandise. Maybe I just want to fit in with all my with my peers. <laughs> you just want to fit in with your geek peers. We're going. Oh, Star Wars! I'm so excited. And you were like, "All right, let's wave around fluorescent tubes and pretend it's cool." Okay, getting back to the game for a moment. The other thing they've said: the combat is going to draw inspiration from Wind Waker and Metroid. Metroid what? I think the point he's trying to make here is that you will get items that give you new combat abilities so in metroid that would be like the ice beam or the super missiles or the wave beam or something you know these upgrades unlock new combat options and new well traversal options sometimes too similar for wind waker obviously with like the boomerang or the leaf or the whatever you've okay you've read it much differently to me oh really i read like wind waker combat and that meant how you engaged one-on-one with the enemies. And pick up their weapons and stuff. Yeah. But then why mention Metroid then? No, I'm not saying I'm wrong. I'm not saying, no, I am saying I'm wrong. What am I saying? I'm saying I'm wrong. I'm not saying you're, you're wrong. I'm saying you're right. Okay, so going back to dumping on the game. <laughs> this is going to be a single-player Star Wars game with a focus on story evidently a third person star wars game with lightsaber combat is basically going to be a jedi power fantasy isn't this the force unleashed i never actually played that but isn't that what the force unleashed was i don't know (laughs) basically we're both completely unqualified to talk about this game great choice of topics (laughs) you chose it (laughs) i'm just trying to push this onto you you're right we're both complicit so you talked about Respawn and Apex Legends. So they can make a good shooter, we know that. So I thought they were going to make Jedi Knight. They're not making that game. I don't know. There's been no gameplay footage yet, so it literally could be anything. Mm, it, well, yes. They do make games that feel good. Like Apex Legends actually feels very fun to play. And... Titanfall, the Titanfall games are supposed to, again, feel very good and feel very fun to play. So I can imagine that this will feel very good and very fun to play. And they mentioned striking and parrying, right? I don't know. It's a tough one. I mean, Star Wars single player games are literally all about the Jedi power fantasy. Even the games where you're not a Jedi. Like if you look at If you look at the Jedi Knight games, they started out as the Dark Forces games and you weren't a Jedi, but everyone wanted to be a Jedi so much that the next game you could become a Jedi. Well, you had to become a Jedi and then you were waving around your lightsaber. That is what everyone wants from a Star Wars game. But actually making that feel fun is kind of difficult. So after all that, where do you stand? I think it's going to be disappointing. (laughs) But it would be nice if they proved me wrong. 
So have you watched the Fallen Order cinematic trailer? Yes, I have. Any particular comments? It did nothing for me. <laughs> it did nothing for me. It makes me really appreciate how good Blizzard are making, doing cinematics. Well, different topic for a different day. It's just a vaguely moody looking guy who's sort of wearing a cloak with a hood and shiftily looking away from stormtroopers. He pulls out a lightsaber at some point, right? Yes. Yeah, it's thoroughly forgettable. It's just like, ugh, whatever. Making a Star Wars game where you are a Jedi sounds like it's going to be really fun, and I I think it's probably very hard to really make it fun. I did enjoy Jedi Knight, where you got to be a Jedi. When you turned on the cheat code, that made your lightsaber actually a really badass weapon, because I think by default the lightsaber was kind of weak like it just you could hit things but it just did damage but there was a cheat code that made your lightsaber actually just like cut anything it hit in half like instantly and you were literally just running into packs of stormtroopers and like flailing around and cutting everything in half and like cutting doors in half and that was cool but it was kind of silly that's what it needs to be though because that's what modern day star wars is it is funny the power creep if you look at the original Star Wars, the lightsaber combat is like two people hitting sticks together. And it's more about hitting the sticks together than it is about <laughs> actually trying to... So so dismissive when you say it like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's more about trying to hit the sticks together than it is about trying to hit each other. And then when you get to the prequel trilogy, most of the prequel trilogy was terrible. But the one mega fan service thing George Lucas did was make the lightsaber battles completely over-the-top amazing. And suddenly it's all about crazy ballet and spinning and dancing about. And now, to the extent where it's become about not hitting the sticks together. Like, it's about waving the sticks around really theatrically so you don't hit each other and you can all do backflips. So that's what your modern lightsaber fighting style is. Speaking of which, have you seen the other trailer? Yes, I have. The Episode 9 trailer. This one is as memorable as the Fallen Order trailer is unmemorable. (laughs) Well, actually, I know a whole load of stuff happened in the trailer. I don't remember any of it apart from the initial scene, which I think is the bit you're meant to remember. So, Ray is just walking along through the desert for some reason... And in the background, she sees a TIE fighter for some reason. And then she deliberately turns her back to it, turns on her lightsaber and theatrically looks over her shoulder and then starts running away from it. And then just before it mows her down, she does a backflip and it goes slow-mo and she's like sailing gracefully over this TIE fighter that's shooting along at like 100 miles an hour. So on the one hand, that's really dumb. Like, why would you do that? Because you can. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. On the other hand, it was really cool. Like, that was totally cool. I definitely remember that. The bit where she turns her back on the TIE fighter and looks over her shoulder at it was just like, I see you. I'm going to do a backflip over you just because it looks cool. But I definitely remember it. There's also the amazing moment where... Ian McDermott, aka Emperor Palpatine, at the premiere of the trailer, just says, 
Borderlands 3. Coming this year in September. Exclusive to the Epic Store. Which we'll talk about later. Okay. A couple of things we wanted to talk about. One was our relationship with the Borderlands franchise. And another one was the loot within Borderlands. Because you've always said how loot is done badly these days. Which makes me smile every time. Well, when I say it's been done badly these days, I'm referring mostly to Destiny slash Anthem, which I haven't even played, but by all accounts, it's even worse. Whereas Borderlands does it really well. So it's been 10 years since the first Borderlands. Wow. How time flies. They didn't milk the franchise. Yeah, they did. Are you kidding me? We have different definitions of milking things. Although it sounds like this is only the third game, you've got to remember there's the pre-sequel as well. So this is actually kind of the fourth game. And there's also Tales from the Borderlands, an adventure game. Fine. That's on the cusp. Well, it's not milking it maybe, but they've done a fair few. Yeah, they're milking it, but it's not milking it till it bleeds. Well, that's a horrible mental picture. So you played... The first one, a lot. No, I say a lot. Not as much as you, and not enough, really. Just have a lot of fond memories of that weekend we played it when it was first released. So you burned through it in one weekend? Yeah. On PC? On PC, Mm. with the four-pack. Was that the first game? No, it probably wasn't the first game to do that. I don't know if it was the first game to do a four-pack on Steam, but... Yes, there was definitely a four-pack on Steam. I also bought the four-pack on Steam and played through it in a weekend. It was really f- refreshing. I don't know, because did any you would say, oh yes, another game did this already. It wasn't the first. No, I think this was the first first-person loot-grinding game. Like, Borderlands is the prototypical looter-shooter, because before this, you had loot games, but they were all isometric dungeon crawlers basically you had a whole load of games that were modeled after the success of diablo but this is the first really successful one that takes that formula and makes it an fps does this predate hellgate london or is it after hellgate london either way hellgate london was a flop so it's kind of irrelevant sadly for hellgate after, london. i think it's after hellgate london mm. so arguably hellgate london was the first or at least the first one I know of, but this is the one that actually was a success, and this is the one everyone remembers. It also had a really cool trailer. The music was really good. I wonder if we watched the same trailer. Did your trailer reference the, the gun combinations? I think there are probably a few trailers. I didn't watch the one tra- the trailer with guns. There's a trailer that has Ain't No Rest for the Wicked by Cage the Elephant, and they're all getting off a bus or getting on a bus i don't know but the four vault hunters are doing something with a bus and yeah there's a trailer which may or may not be the same trailer where it's just like 17 bajillion guns it's not that many guns in the game is it yeah in the end it was only three and a half million that's a lot though but duh yes okay so we both burned through the first borderlands in a weekend You didn't play any of the DLCs? No. I only played one of them. I actually own all of them, but (laughs) we only actually played through one of them for reasons which are 
too boring to go into on this podcast. There are never boring reasons when you're involved. Well, the reason may be boring, but the perspective is very interesting. There are there are more amusing things we can talk about. And you haven't played any of the others. You haven't played Borderlands 2 or the pre-sequel. I have the second one on PlayStation, but I've not played enough. Yeah, a similar story for me. I have both of those games on Steam, but we did not finish Borderlands 2. So we got similar crew together to play Borderlands 2, but we only got like a third of the way through it and we just fizzled out. And pre-sequel haven't even fired it up, sadly. But that first game was magic. That first game was really very, very good. I think an interesting thing to do is to compare and contrast Borderlands to Destiny. Because that's the recent looter shooter I'm most familiar with. I mean, I guess there's also The Division and there's also Anthem. And I would say both of those games have problems that are similar to Destiny when compared and contrasted to Borderlands. So... Borderlands has a story, and it's not a bad story, but how much did you engage with Borderlands' story? Zero, 10%, 20%. Yeah, same. So I was playing it with friends. We had a really great time. We basically just skipped through the entire story. We would just like run up to a quest giver, get the quest, skip, skip, skip. Who cares what they have to say? Run to the quest marker, blow shit up. But if you were playing on your own, would you have engaged with the story? But would I have played it on my own? No, okay, fine. Because I think that was the problem with Borderlands 2. It was hard for us to all get together regularly to play through it. And it just wasn't really fun to play it on your own. Or, that's unfair, it was fun, but it was much less fun than playing it with friends. This is a common problem that no one has solved. But I I think this is the key thing, right? Because Destiny, The Division and Anthem are all really trying to make you pay attention to their story. They're all like, this story's so important. We've crafted this epic story. So with Anthem, they give you loyalty points for every conversation you have. But I just skip through the conversation just to get the stupid points because I want to level up quicker. This is the thing. You see, they're, they're focusing on the wrong thing. And also, that area isn't even instanced. No, that's not right. It's not a shared instance, so there's no one to... You know, it's not like Destiny where they can walk around and and jump around to distract me. I'm just... It's my own instance. So actually, there's nothing to rush me in theory, except the grind. But that's enough to rush me. What are the good bits of one of these looter-shooter games? It's the looting and the shooting. And... The modern ones are missing the point. They're trying to force you to engage in the story. And the story, it's great that it's there. And the game would be a bad game if it didn't have the story. But to try and force you to engage in it at the expense of the looting and shooting is a fool's errand. Didn't you mention the Destiny story once? Or twice? Or before? In what sense? That you would have liked a good story. I would have liked a good story, but it's the problem is it's a bad story as well. It's not a good story. Like the the Destiny story is like the worst of. I don't know if it gets better in the second game. I mean, you know, we did play the second game a bit because it was free, but again, it just didn't hook me. The Destiny games are like lazy science fantasy. It's a fantasy story, 
where the rules are inconsistent in a sci-fi setting i mean it's like space wizards like why it may as well be magic but like they wanted to write a fantasy story with mysterious magical powers but they also wanted guns so they made it science fantasy so even if we had a good story though how would you want it served i think if the story is good enough people will pay attention to it okay and the borderland story rides that line really well but you don't have to go into all this minutia and intricate lore it's all there if you want it but if you don't and you're just shooting stuff you pick up on the major plot points like this is bad this is good these people are working with the bad guys this is a robot that likes dubstep and breakdancing you know like you pick up on the important points okay should we go back to the loot well and and that's the other side of it that actually turns out matters because i think in all the blurb about destiny they said that they wanted you you know to remember the story of how you got your guns right they were were saying oh you're going to go on this epic adventure and you're going to remember when you use this gun the epic story of how you acquired that gun but you don't because in destiny the epic story of how you acquired the gun is either you cheesed a bunch of bosses in a raid or you got it as a random reward from the crucible like there's no story there you do remember though <laughs> i mean the story's not as epic as they want it to be but the story's the story's lame is you remember it because it's so lame <laughs> you remember because it it's like wow i got this gun by cheesing this thing whereas borderlands there's so many guns there's so many random combinations of guns. Every gun looks and feels unique in some particular way. And you can find a gun that is just right for you. Like, I remember, like, ten years later, the gun I had in Borderlands 1, because it was just so good. I remember, like, finding this gun and being like, wow, this is the gun for me. Because it just so perfectly worked with the archetype of my character. And... It made me go from being just a run-of-the-mill member of the party to DPS machine. Like, I suddenly became the primary DPS output for our group. As in, like, I could do more DPS on my own than the other three put together. Which was probably really boring for the other three, because it meant that I would just, like, rush in with my phase walk and then mow down everything before they could get a shot off. But it was really fun for me. You know, it was like this Hellfire SMG... And, you know, it had that tagline, we don't need no water. Every time you pulled the trigger, it fired four bullets, all of which set your target on fire. And then I had perks on my character that improved my fire rate and improved my elemental damage. So it literally made me this, like, hellfire murder machine. You didn't get downed a lot. Well, the funny thing is, even if you get downed, you can pull yourself back up if you manage to kill an enemy. And so I could just rush in blast off this smg and even though i got down like the elemental tick damage would then kill an enemy and i'd get right back up again so i was unstoppable it was probably horrendously unbalanced but it was really fun and you know like i still remember that gun but we still remember galahorn yeah but everybody remembers galahorn and everyone remembers that they nerfed it fine destiny was an exercise in trying to achieve balance but they achieve balance at the expense of fun. So what's missing? Okay, so let's talk about 
procedural loot generation? Because that's what you really want to talk about here, right? Yeah, let's not miss that. Yeah. So you've talked before about how it would be fun to make a loot engine. Yeah. And I've said, oh, it's trivial. It's trivial. It's so easy. So trivial it would that it wouldn't be fun. Well, I am aware that I probably only think this because I haven't actually tried to do it. So there's a thing called the Dunning-Kruger effect where people who are not experts are so incompetent that they don't even realise how incompetent they are. And it's entirely possible I think this is going to be really easy because I haven't actually tried to do it. And when I actually try to do it, I'll then realise, oh, this is really hard. (laughs) And to do it as well as they have done in Borderlands, I think it is actually really hard. But there are certain key concepts that they've got really right. Like... There's a good balance between randomness and kind of like rigidity. So you have kind of archetypes of weapons and those base archetypes of weapons can then be modified. And that's what gets you all your millions of combinations of possible guns. So I think they do it by having weapon manufacturers and those weapon manufacturers kind of have certain characteristics that are like symbolic of that make of gun and destiny does this too actually because you have like suros and i can't even remember the others suros is the only one i remember because they had the regime and then within that there are models of guns and then within that there are various modifiers that can be applied to the guns i think there are also unique guns that have modifiers that are only possible on that unique base gun chassis so there's i think like malawan has one called like the wave from what i remember and it it fires well maybe it's like malawan tsunami and its special modifier is the wave and it can only spawn on that gun but yeah the key thing is having those base elements and then many 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 modifiers to keep it fresh and interesting and I think the other thing Borderlands does very well is, actually, I don't know if they're tied together, the visual elements. So whether the gun's look is tied to those modifiers or whether the gun's look is completely distinct from them. But either way, they take that base chassis and they attach a whole load of visual elements to the gun too. So every gun looks unique in addition to feeling unique when you fire it. That was a load of waffle. There was much less substance to that description than I probably should have put in. Anything to add? I I think it's much more obvious what's going on if you look at, say, Diablo 2's loot system, which, again, is one that is done very well. So in Diablo 2, they have specific prefixes and suffixes. So magic weapons can have one prefix and one suffix. So you'll get something like spectral axe of the whale or something. And then rare weapons can have four to six prefixes and suffixes but they don't explicitly put them on there anymore so it will just be called something like fiend edge but internally it went and selected up to six prefixes and suffixes and it gets those attributes on the weapon and then unique weapons where there is a handcrafted set of attributes that the weapon has I can't remember if they actually give them random modifiers as well in Diablo 2. I think they give them randoms in Diablo 3. Or at least they did as of 
one of the later patches. And then the set weapons too. But in that game, it's much more obvious what's going on. I guess there's armor involved as well for Diablo and Destiny. There's no armor in Borderlands, is there? Yeah, I think it's all about the guns. So your set of guns has to be larger anyway. Yeah, because all your loot is guns. I think uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff about the feel of the guns as well. I think they have to feel good. I'm sure there's a lot of tuning going on in the system. Like, I'm sure when they first just glued a load of these, you know, modifiers together, they got some good stuff, but they also got a lot of jank. And they probably tuned it and pruned it until most things came out feeling good. Well, then again, I guess you don't need everything to feel good. You want some trash in there too. But the fun thing about Borderlands is you never know what you're going to get. A gun will drop and you'll have to experimentally try equipping it and firing a few rounds just to see if it's amazing. And sometimes it's obvious that it's going to be great. And other times you think, well, this looks bad, but let's try it anyway. And then you're like, this gun is awesome. Did you not just go with the numbers? I don't know. I think... I don't think the numbers tell the whole story sometimes because, you know, in the case of the elemental fire weapon, I had other guns that superficially looked like they would do more damage, but it was just so perfect for my build. Or you had to take note of the fact that it said a little blinking times four on the bullet counter, which really meant every bullet is worth four bullets. Or, there, you know, there are damage types to account for as well. So, you know, it was worth holding a poison gun or a lightning gun as well and i remember i had that fire smg and also a few revolvers of different elemental attributes and they felt very different to play with because then i think one of my best revolvers only had two bullets in the chamber so it was really weird because you know like a revolver it's got like six bullets and you can see the cylinder rotating and in this one you know, bang, and the whole thing like flips over because it's only got two bullets and then bang, you shoot the other one and then you have to pop it out and like put two new bullets in. So it was a very weird gun to use because you had to be really precise with it because you only had two shots, but those two shots packed a real punch. Mm, That does sound like fun. So in summary, more guns. More guns. I think, I, I, what, you know, that's what... How are they missing this trick? Just more guns. Like The guns in Destiny, the guns in Division, the guns in Anthem, I assume, yes. are boring. They're all just the same gun with slightly different fire rates or recoil patterns. Destiny didn't do guns that badly. Destiny's guns were okay. Destiny definitely did have a few guns that are very, very memorable. So Yalahorn, Icebreaker, Vision of Confluence... But I think the thing about Destiny, right, is that those guns that felt really good and were really memorable, they were unique guns. Like, everybody had the same gun. That's what I mean about you'll remember the story of how you got the guns. Like, yeah, but we all have the same gun and we've all got the same story. Whereas Borderlands, so much variety. We done. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> it, it's so obvious. Just, just do it. Hey, 
finally. Finally, we get to rant about the Epic Store. Epic Game Store? Is it, do they, I don't know. Are they okay with us calling it just the Epic Store? Oh, I don't know. I hadn't even noticed there was a games in there. Could be Epic. Could be Epic Store if you want. I think it's quite funny because they've put their product roadmap on a Trello board. And I searched for this just by typing Epic Trello board. And you were like, Epic Trello board? What are you going to get when you type that in? And then I clicked on it and it was the Epic Game Store Trello board. And I was like, the right thing, Ting. I'm going to get the right thing. I just dreamt of a, of there being the... An epic Trello board. It's like got nine million columns. With rainbows and unicorns. But no. We just got the Epic Game Store trailer board. So they're working towards feature parity with Steam. What is the Epic Game Store? <laughs> fine, fine, fine. The Epic Game Store is an online game store that's competing with Steam. Uh, no, it's a game store that is focusing on devs. At least that's how they'd like to present it. Yes. It's a game store that gives a much bigger cut of the profits to devs or to flip on his head takes a smaller cut of the profits away so the fee for distributing a game on steam when you sell a game on steam steam takes 30 percent so if you sell a game for ten dollars you only get seven dollars and steam keeps three the epic game store by contrast their default fee is 12%. So if you sell a game for $10 on the Epic Game Store, you get to keep $8.8. However, the Epic Game Store has become controversial because from a consumer point of view, it is very feature poor compared to Steam. So, I mean, one example of this that everyone loves to point out is that there's no offline mode. So if you don't have an internet connection, you literally can't play any of your games. And the other thing that has rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way is that Epic is paying big bucks to make games exclusively released on the Epic Game Store. Borderlands 3 being one high-profile example. It's going to be exclusive on the Epic Game Store for six months. And... Phoenix Point is another. So Phoenix Point was originally due to release on Steam. People who backed Phoenix Point and were due to receive a Steam key have now been told you can either have an Epic Game Store key and get it at release or you can have your Steam key but it'll be a year later or we'll just give you your money back because we don't need your money now. We've got that Epic Game Store money instead. But also Journey, Quantic Dreams games. What's the other famous one? Metro Exodus. Yes. Which is funny because you could pre-order the game on Steam. And if you pre-ordered the game on Steam, that was honoured and you could get the game on Steam. But you can't actually buy the game on Steam now. You can only buy it on the Epic Game Store. So only people who pre-ordered it are able to play it through Steam. Which is kind of weird. They must have left that really late. That would have pissed someone off. If you knew it was on the Steam Store, and your plan was to buy it, and then they just pulled it away from you. 
It's happened before though, hasn't it? I think the Crisis games are no longer available on Steam. They're only on Origin now. Is that right? I don't know. Why would EA have the Crisis games? Because Origin is EA. It is Crisis Origin. I don't know. I don't know who published these Crytek games. What do you think about the Epic Game Store? Let's talk about the Trello board. <laughs> Since you mentioned the Now Trello we're going board, back to the Trello board. Because there are so many features missing. I mean, you, you highlighted the key ones, but there are so many missing. Like achievements, cloud saves. I don't care about achievements. I do care about cloud saves, actually. Steam cloud saves are really good. And there's things you may not care about, like user reviews, VR headset support. I don't care. More games. There's like, How many games are there on the Epic Game Store? The Epic Game Store is a curated list of really good games, whereas Steam is full of shovelware. No, I'm kidding. I <laughs> Yeah, there's very few games on the Epic Game Store. But they are giving away... A free game every two weeks. It's just madness. It is madness. They're good games too. Incredible games, actually. Are you outraged? No, it's just business. What do you expect? I mean, look, the difference in fees is huge. 30% is a massive cut to give away to Steam. 12% is much more palatable. And all of these timed exclusives make total sense from a business point of view. I mean, everyone hates DRM, right? But they still put in offensive DRM into these games, even though they know it will be cracked because... They know it won't be cracked for a few weeks and protecting sales for those first few weeks. Well, that's when your game makes most of the money. Now, think about it this way. If instead of giving away 30% of the money for those first few weeks, you can give away 12% instead. That's an even bigger saving. So from a business perspective, it totally makes sense. Timed exclusivity on the Epic Game Store no-brainer. Make it exclusive on that store first. Make your money, then put it on Steam and get the long tail of sales. I I still think they should pass some of that down to the consumer. And then you can, as a consumer, you can decide which tax to pay, the Steam tax or the Epic Games Store tax. And then you decide which features you want from your game store. But I guess that's the thing. Are you trying to say that... I mean, there are certain conventions about how much people expect a game to sell for and are you saying they should put it for $60 on Steam and then like $40 I haven't actually run these numbers but imagine that I've done the correct numbers for 30% versus 12% you know $40 on the Epic Game Store are you saying that or are you saying that you should put it for $60 on the Epic Game Store and like $80 on Steam you'd go you can go 60 for Steam and then $55 for Epic Game Store but they don't want to give the consumer a saving. They want to just make more money. It's all about the money. Yeah, you're right. If they did it that way, it would probably look better from a consumer perspective. But they can't do it that way because they will only get the fat stacks of cash from Epic if they make it exclusive. Because Epic is paying them to make it exclusive on the Epic Store as well. So it's a win-win. They get a payout from Epic they get to be exclusive on the store where they make more money for six months and the devs can also just go, oh, I'm really sorry. It's our publisher's decision. It's nothing to do with us. Our publisher decided to do this because that's what they're all saying. 
pretty much. Except for the Phoenix Point guys. Yeah, the Phoenix Point guys are saying, look, they gave us loads of money. We were eating baked beans. Now I'm sitting in a golden bathtub. Eating foie gras. Eating foie gras. <laughs> we should make a game and go to Epic. <laughs> Epic, Epic is totally going to be like, yeah, you can, you can put that one on Steam. <laughs> this is what happens on consoles anyway. Timed exclusives. Yeah. It's just business. It's sad, but it's just business. Also, people forget, Steam used to be appalling. Like, everyone hated Steam when it came out. Like, as much as people all talk about how much they like Steam now, because it's really convenient and cloud saves and good value, like, everyone hated Steam when it first came out. People talked about how, with Steam, you didn't really own your games. Valve owned your games. They could take them away anytime. People were like, oh, I don't want this, like, bloatware running on my PC all the time, taking up, you know, CPU cycles. Like, people hated Steam. Whereas now Steam has just become this beloved, I don't know, Steam sale, Gabe Newell. Every year, the hilarious video. It's rare you have the consumers protecting the monopoly. Yeah, it's so weird. Usually, people root for the underdog. And here, people are ruling for their corporate overlords. They're like, no, I like being a serf. I really, I'm really glad that my lord and saviour Gabe Newell is protecting me. How else would you make a game store? Let's be honest. You're trying to launch a new game store. How else are you going to do it? You're going to have exclusives. How did Steam launch in the first place? All of the first party Valve games were exclusive on it. It was the only way you could play Half-Life 2. If it wasn't, nobody would have used it. So this is how you launch a new platform. It's sad, but it's just fact. That's just how it is. It's capitalism, whether you like it or not. Okay. I wonder if these people are claiming their free games from Epic. They should be. They're free. They're free. But you must have principles. You want the store to fail. I mean, maybe you should claim the games to fail the store. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. If you don't claim it, you're just saving them money. (laughs) Damn it. So you can't win either way. I for sure am claiming my free games. I bought Satisfactory on the Epic Game Store. It's a timed exclusive. Everyone's angry about it for some reason. I don't know. I bought it. Look, I already had to have all these stupid launches anyway. We've already got the Blizzard launcher. We've already got Origin. I mean, what's one more? It's already ruined. Just just accept it. It's like the whole palaver with Netflix and all the this new Disney thing, right? And now they're pulling all the Disney shows and Marvel shows and whatever off Netflix, aren't they? Yeah. And they're all going to be on the new Disney streaming platform. I was thinking we should create a um, a subscription tool. So you can like, you pick your movies or pick your shows that you want to watch next month. And we'll, we auto subscribe you to whichever service you need. And then unsubscribe you after. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it's never a yearly contract. It's always, well, at the moment, it's just monthly. These game stores actually at least are better than the streaming movies situation. Because for streaming... You have to pay the subscription to access it. With the game stuff, at least it doesn't cost you anything in the background when you're not playing the game. Because, let's face it, most people are too lazy to subscribe and unsubscribe all the time. That's why I should make a tool for it. You're right, it's genius. It's genius. It's a billion dollar idea. Quick, shh, shh. We'll have a Chrome extension that has your credit card details. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll steal your credit card details. It's a multi-billion dollar idea. It's called fraud. (laughs) 
Why has no one thought of this before? <laughs> we were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please, please, please. You can find us on email. Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club. On Twitter. At Lost Levels Club. On Twitch. And YouTube as Lost Levels Club. Is that it? That is it. So, Michael, what are you grateful for today? It's a four-day weekend. It's the Easter long weekend. As of the moment we record this podcast, it probably won't be by the time you hear it. Yeah, I have four days just to play Satisfactory and build a ridiculous machine to build supercomputers and do other things too. But not game dev. I'm going to do some game dev. I told people I was going to do some game dev. I did some game dev. You said that and then you led with Satisfactory. I, I need to relax. I need to decompress. I need to... You need the whole weekend to decompress. I'll tell you now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Actually, Satisfactory is quite stressful because it's just like, I'm trying to build this beautiful factory. I like, I have this clear vision of, you know, how I'm going to have this elegant system of, you know, I was calling it like the bus, like, you know, as in like equivalent to a computer's like system bus. I was going to have this like network of conveyors that are all carrying the relevant materials and like forking off. Anyway, no plan survives contact with the enemy. Five minutes later, it's like Spaghetti Central. Who dropped this plate of spaghetti on my factory? Why are there conveyor belts intersecting everything? You know, encroaching others' clearance. What's going on? We've already rebuilt the factory once. We already built a factory. It was a spaghetti fest. We deleted the entire factory and rebuilt it. It's already ruined. We need to do it again. Good thing we've got four-day weekend. <laughs> no, I'll try and do some game dev. I actually, I, I made... I made a pledge. I'm making the scout symbol with my left hand as is appropriate. You know, I made a pledge. I'm going to do some game dev. I'm going to try and make a start on my platform game. I managed to fix up as well the collision on the Game Jam game. So, you know, that's closed off in my mind now. I have gone and done what was needed. It turns out it didn't help. It still feels like a jank fest. It's time to move on. It's time to move on. Let's draw a line under it. Platform game simulator. It's a go. So Michael says bye. Bye bye.